This is the Living Out Podcast, and I'm Darren Steele. I help gay men explore their unique and vital role in society towards the outcome of leading others in creating a more balanced, evolved, and humane world. So I'm going to be talking about LGBTQ topics, social justice, and personal growth on this podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk about the fear of the other and the defense of the ego and how that causes us to be uncomfortable about someone who is new or so completely different from us, whether that be the color of their skin, their gender or sexual identity, the way they look or sound, or the beliefs that they hold that we learn about in conversation. I've been thinking a lot about this because I'm examining concepts of leadership, but a little bit in the realm of, you know, the sort of leadership books that one might pick up if you were investigating how to better manage teams or how to manage people, but then a little bit more into the Let's call it the spiritual side. And what I mean when I say the spiritual side has nothing to do with religion or God, but coming from within in the sense of how do we lead from our gifts, our skills, our talents, and how do we lead from the most vulnerable emotions like vulnerability, um, bravery, empathy, the feeling emotions that, you know, many people might call more on the feminine side. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard me talk about the masculine and the feminine energies and reading up on some Taoism there. If you've seen the yin and the yang symbol, it's first of all, a circle and it's black and white on the inside and it's almost like it's almost like a curvy s almost like a very curvy spine and on one side is black on the other side is white and there's a more bulbous part on the bottom of one side and the more bulbous part is more towards the top on the other side and there's two dots within the larger most bulbous parts so if you have that picture of that in your mind or if you can just look up the symbol for yin and yang, and see how there's a fluidity in that, there's a balance, there's an equilibrium, that imagine that it were some sort of a fluidic-like structure rotating back and forth, and as things maybe moved downwards towards the right, certain characteristics become more predominant, let's say, on the upper left-hand quadrant, and more, or, or, and less, um, used on the bottom right-hand quadrant, and so on. And it isn't even a quadrant because it's a circle. But the yin and the yang symbol express, expresses this concept of duality that isn't duality. Because we may, how we construct things in our minds, in the world, this binary, male, female, masculine, feminine, me, you, subject, object, good, bad, left, right, up, down, and everything else you can think of, is a construct of our minds. And it starts with who we are, our ego versus everything else out there. Our name 
which is the first representation of our ego. And in, in, in Taoism, and I think some other Eastern religions, they look at yin and yang. Yin would be the more feminine. Yang would be the more masculine characteristics or attributes. But even in that sort of philosophical look at life, it's not about man or woman. It's about attributes that we're just using labels and names for categorization and categorization purposes. But what I love in a book that I'm reading right now by Lawrence G. Bolt, The Tao of Abundance, and I read this uh, probably close to 15 years ago and didn't understand 90% of it. Uh, he talks about using the words diffuse for yin or the feminine and focused for yang or the masculine. And I mention that because it's very easy to get upset about using the words masculine and feminine, especially within the LGBTQ community and for people that are exploring their gender identity. It has its purposes and it has its challenges. But even using those words, there's a load to them. There's a feeling to them. There's an understanding. Some people might say, well, of course, focused is more of a masculine energy and diffuse is more of a feminine energy. So we, because we've created language and concepts and philosophies and ways in which we can communicate with each other, it is very difficult to distance ourselves from these concepts and to find a way of rising above them. I preface all of that because of what I want to say here today, where this fear of the other comes from. And the basic human fear of anyone else who is radically unlike us, incredibly dissimilar, or holds an entirely different view of the world than us, is the structure of what we would call the binary. The one side versus the other side. And the original binary, however, comes from the ego. It's the ego versus everything else. And as babies, we have no concept of of what that means really until we learn our name. And that's how the binary begins. Our name is our identity. Our name is our first possession. Mine. My name. And my name separates me from everyone else because someone outside of me can identify me as Darren. And even if, and it's rare that I meet someone else who's also called Darren, because it's certainly a name from the 60s and the 70s, if you remember Bewitched and Darren and Samantha in that television show, it's very much my name. And it's a funny feeling when I meet someone else who's called Darren. I have some sort of a sensation that only talking about it now makes me realize is that an ego defensive posture that I've experienced on the pa- in the past when I've met someone else who is named in the same way I am? It's an interesting question, but it's not the point of the t- today's discussion. But ego is a mental structure built on name. Just think about that for a moment. Ego is a mental structure built on name. And what is ego? Well, that's been the topic of philosophical discussion for thousands of years. In the simplest form, it's how we identify as who we are. And 
as we mature and, and, and grow up, and I'm saying from children into adolescence, we begin to see that we are different from the natural world because we're capable of things like language and, and critical thought. We see that we're capable, capable of creating things that can manage or make our lives easier, that can manage and or control nature. And I mentioned the Taoism in, in the, the Eastern approach, but specifically Taoism. There's a big difference between Western teachings and Eastern teachings about how we can control and manipulate nature to our advantage. And that's very much a Western capitalist sort of approach to things. Whereas some of the more ancient, like Taoist views of the world was looking at the harmony of how we can exist within nature and how our connection with nature is what makes us innately human and innately intuitive to understanding the way in which we can better relate to other human beings because we are of this earth. We are of nature as human beings. And when we get trapped in uh, a built up, a physically built up city that becomes a society that becomes more distant distant from nature, we start to see a lot of psychological issues, drama, anger, frustration, mob think. The more we're disconnected from nature, the more our ego builds up defenses. And so our names, we begin to learn, help us understand the idea of ownership. And ownership in a sense, becomes larger when we can have any kind of property, whether it's owning a book or owning a car or owning a house or owning land. And everything that we own comes back to our name. So I am Darren and I have this and I own this. And if we're not careful and we identify with those possessions, all of which are outside of ourselves, we begin to over-identify with the ego, which creates a greater and greater defensive position. So, think of people with immense wealth and power who are always looking to get more. Now, for some, it is just a pure drive, and for others, there's, there's a fear there. There's this need to accumulate because all of these outside possessions and even accomplishments like, oh, look, I've become president of the United States. How is that possible, Donald Trump? A need for such ego attainment becomes so dangerous in the case of individuals like that, that it harms humanity, that it harms people, that it harms a country. Because the ego is always asking, in fact, often demanding, what's in it for me? And that thought alone, what's in it for me, is what substantiates this, this need for personal property or identification as mine, or an emotional defensiveness position, meaning you can't get in. I'm not going to let you see my vulnerability. I'm not going to let you see my shame. I'm not going to let you see my weakness. Because I can own those and hide those so that I can have some form of power over others. I can be better than. I can, through my ego, belong to a group of individuals who are all white and might proclaim that another group of people with a different colored skin are somehow noble savages or 
people trying to break across the border and steal our jobs, or I can belong to a group of individuals and say, hey, we're all straight and we like it that way. We like our women in the home and our men in the boardroom. And no way do we want any faggots working with us who might make us question what we're doing and are a challenge to our own ego identity, which is constantly seeking power and validation. Now, this might sound like a leap, what I'm about to say, and it's a question. And I'm going to give you maybe not so much the answer, but a statement. But what is the true nature of the universe? The true nature of the universe is infinite abundance. There is no need for us to have to accumulate at the expense of others. We can say, yes, there are finite resources on the planets like coal and oil. And the more that we extract those finite resources there's going to be a shift in a balance because take something away and that's going to have an effect on something else. So if we take something like fossil fuels away and we burn them, that has a negative effect on our environment, which makes the air more difficult to breathe, which messes up with the climate, which kills off insects and animals. Or if we decide that we're going to make a multinational corporation like a McDonald's, then we have to farm the rainforest so that we can grow cattle or oranges for our orange drink or palm trees for palm oil, and we kill and destroy entire ecosystems. All of this is driven by ego, and it is what is hurting us. And I wonder, and I'm going to keep this short and end it with a question, how much we could change the world if we could open up more to vulnerability. And that's the hardest thing for the ego. It's what I seek to do in this podcast, to be entirely vulnerable. That was, a, that was even hard to say. Was that a Freudian slip? To be entirely vulnerable in the sense of being honest with you. I'm willing to sit here at my desk in front of the microphone and share my own thoughts, my critical thoughts, and even some of my stories and emotions, not to simply make a point, but to say there's an honest human being who is experiencing life in this moment is reflecting on how to make himself a better person such that I can help others lead themselves in becoming better people with respect to creating a positive evolution for humanity and for the entire planet. And where I come from as a gay man is now understanding and looking at what are my unique insights and gifts that I can impart to others to look at things differently, to somewhere be in the gap or somewhere in that middle line, like I was expressing with the yin and the yang, or the feminine and the masculine, or the diffuse and the focused, somewhere existing in the gap, knowing that it's not an all this side or all that side, but looking at the world through that space between, and recognizing that if we're going to move forward in a positive, impactful way that 
is going to minimize the discord and the anger and the fear of the other, we have to investigate ego and vulnerability. And we have to work to create the space for more of us to exist in in this space of exposing who we are and our fears. Do I have an action plan for this? Do I have a strategy for this? No, (laughs) I don't think it's that easy, but it can start one person at a time. It can start, and I've said this before, in how we show up online when something is problematic and somebody says something that is, is really immoral or angry or antagonistic or racist or homophobic. Instead of ignoring it or instead of attacking it, We need to change hearts and minds by bridging between the anger and a conversation. We need to help people drop their armor around their ego so that they will let in the other, and in this case, the other thought, the possibility that their actions and their thoughts and their intentions are harmful. So let me end with verse 11 from the Tao Te Ching. If you don't know what it is, I suggest looking it up. It is just a way of looking at life. It's not religious. It is kind of philosophical. It sometimes really challenges the brain to figure out what it all means. But it's like meditation and not forcing oneself to be purposefully quiet in the mind because that's impossible but rather finding that ability to always come back to the breath or whatever it is that you're using to focus and being non-judgmental and just being aware of the observer observing the thoughts as they arise. So verse 11 of the Tao Te Ching, and this is a translation by Stephen Mitchell. We join spokes together in a wheel, but it is the center whole that makes the wagon move. We shape clay into a pot, but it is the emptiness inside that holds whatever we want. We hammer wood for a house, but it is the inner space that makes it livable. We work with being, but non-being is what we use. The reason I chose that is because I like this idea of the emptiness inside or the inner space. We frame up a house, but it's not the outside structure. It's the emptiness that is inside of it that makes it livable. We go to an art class and learn about making things out of clay, and we make a cup or we make a pot, and it's the space that is on the inside that holds whatever we want. It's the emptiness that becomes the purpose. And so, making ourselves like a vessel, looking at the fear of the other in defense of the ego, the more we can recognize that we are a shell, and if the space inside of us is the vessel to be filled, to make it livable, to hold what we want, that is the being that we are seeking to use, the non-being that we are seeking to use. And (laughs) 
Taoism does that. Being versus non-being, you're like, what? What does that mean? But that is the gap in between. It isn't the one or the other. It isn't just the ego or no ego. It isn't us versus them. It's all of us in humanity together, daring to lead, daring to live out the best of who you are with the intention of making humanity a much better, happier, and joyful state. Until next time.